I was sitting in the Zenna this morning, and I just want to say, um, the first period right away, you know, it was so settled already. I mean, I don't know what was going on in your mind, but <laughs> but the outside was already very settled and stable. And I looked around at who was here, and you guys are sitters. You know, the people who are here are sitters. You know, and it just, to me, I don't know what it feels like to you guys, but it feels so good. You know, you're here, you've evidently thought about your intention, you know, why you're here, and maybe you remembered your original reason for walking on Buddha's path, and, and you've come to sit. And it was palpable in the Zenda this morning. So um, I'll say for everybody, not just for me, but for everybody, I really appreciate the intention with this, the, the effort, the feeling, the, the uh, attitude with which you've come to retreat. And just to remind you, you know, this is the retreat where we celebrate. It's Rahatsa retreat. So it's the retreat where at the end, you know, we celebrate, we, we speak the Buddha's story of his awakening, and we celebrate that event. And throughout the Buddhist world during this week, in fact, I just spoke with... Um, I miss David. I guess he didn't call. Yeah. Uh, Shogun, and I happen to know a student of mine, Shogun, and David Zimmerman in San Francisco, are um, in Tassajara. They're sitting right now. They've already started. They sit seven days. And Carol, another student, is the Tenzo at the city center. She's cooking right now as we speak. Buddhists all over the world are sitting just like we're sitting in celebration of Buddha mind, which is already present. There's no need to grasp, there's no need to purify, there's no need to fix, there's no need to attach to a goal. We already have everything we need to be free of the conditioned mind. Now, it may not feel that way at the moment, and that's okay, because, and I repeat over and over again, we're not asking for anything to be fixed. We're asking for people to just be awake, because that is Buddha mind. So if you go through something that's difficult, or if you even are attached to emptiness, for example, all of that is uh, just objects of awareness. What Dogen is asking us to do is, instead of having awareness grab on to objects, which are whatever is coming and going in the mind, experiences, thoughts, of experiences, of the past, (laughs) sensations in the body, emotions, those are just passing objects. Those are just experiences. But what is knowing that that's happening is a Buddha mind. 
And if you didn't have it, you wouldn't know that you're caught. You wouldn't know that you're miserable. You wouldn't know that you're awake. So it's not the object that we're pointing to. It's the knowing of it. That's what Dogen means when he says, turn the light around to look at what is looking, to look at what knows. Remind me to get back to that, okay? So um, I want to encourage you to keep a container. And the primary container that we use is silence. And what we mean by silence is not making contact with mostly people. I mean, you can make contact with a flower, you know, and it'll speak back to you, but it's pretty neutral. But if you make contact with another person, usually there's a little something extra. And it's not, from our point of view, silence. It's not silence. So please stay within your own silence, and we will help each other create and maintain that container. So that you can look at the mind the conditioned mind. In order to look at the conditioned mind without being sucked into it, we have to develop what I call continuity or what everybody calls, <laughs> just me, <laughs> especially Vipassana people. They call it continuity of mindfulness. I call it continuity of awareness, but awareness is continuous anyway. So it's just a question of remembering and uh, knowing that you're that, remembering that that's what is happening already. But what is really important is to know that Continuity is necessary. So we sit zazen as the easiest place to find some kind of presence. And then from that place, we do little activity like service or like uh, sama work practice in silence. So the way of Zen is to take that mind that we uh, cultivate on the cushion into your daily life. And that's what you should be doing all the time anyway, which is why I say that our life comes out of meditation. It's not another thing on the to-do list that we need to check off. So during retreat, there is this opportunity to develop real continuity of mindfulness in each of your activities, 
in detail. And you'll see, you know, as you get in the beginning, you may fluff your cushion, you know, really lean on it, puff it up, set it down with some uh, intention. And then, you know, halfway through, halfway through retreat, you're just whacking it and, you know, making all this noise and stuff with it because we're tired, right? So we forget to bring the same kind of wholehearted, 100% effort to each activity. So in the beginning, make good effort that can carry through, carry you through the middle of retreat. 100% wholehearted attention to each activity on the cushion, during chanting, during work period, in the bathroom, 100% attention to your activity. And then you can see. You can really see. Am I perceiving through the mind that is conditioned, the conditioned mind, or am I seeing through the mind of awareness? I mean, if you do nothing else during this retreat, if you just pay attention to that, that will go a long way. Science is, in some way, catching up, I think you can say, with Buddhism now. Buddhism, psychology, and psychological treatises on uh, perception. Buddhism knew 2,500 years ago that what we perceive is not what actually (laughs) is there. This is what we study when we study Abhidharma, commentary on psychological teachings of the Buddha. Scientifically, it's very clear that that uh, physically, what happens is there are all these sensations, all of these, all of this information coming in, even just through the eye uh, organ receptor. And what the mind does, it takes its best guess at what is happening. The way that the mind works is always just a little bit behind. We actually see an image. The mind makes an image that we relate to, and not actually direct perception. And it takes its best guess of whether what's out there is hurtful, basically, or not, 
or neutral. Kind of, it's kind of an amalgam. And then we take from our past experience and we put together what we think is the color blue or a giraffe or a table. <laughs> I just saw on YouTube the other day an um, example of a, uh, what do you call it when you, you see something, uh, you know, and they fool you? Yeah, an optical illusion. It was really terrific. It was a piece of paper, and the man, and on the piece of paper were a bunch of squares, and it, what it looked like was a box with black and white alternating squares with a bow tied around the box, and the bow was on the top of the box. And the man was turning the white card so that the box looked like it was floating in front of the white card, the white board, I guess you call it. Right? It was just floating out there, beautiful, you know, black and white box with a pink bow wrapped around it and tied on top. And that was really what was happening. I could see it. And then he moved, or she, I, don't, I couldn't tell what it was, moved the board so that you could see on an angle. And then what you could see clearly was this um, structure that was actually angled like this. It wasn't a box at all. And the black and white things were here on the inside. And on top of it, it had, a, it had a square thing on top. Inside it was a bow, pink bow, painted pink bow. And it was attached to the board by about six inches, a six inch pole. And when he was moving the board, this thing was just moving like this. It wasn't floating anywhere at all, and it wasn't even a box. So physically, we don't perceive accurately what's out there in many ways. That's just one of them, one example. But also, and I think for us more importantly, We see the world through our conditioning. Which is why in some of the teachings it says that the world, we see the world as an illusion. Doesn't mean that nothing is there. It means that we don't see it accurately. We see what we've been conditioned to see. So many uh, you know, there could be five people looking at an experience, at something, and each of those five people will pick out of whatever it is that happened, whatever they need to do to reify, to confirm their idea about reality and their place in it. I was just talking with a few people, actually, the other day, Tuesday, yesterday, and they were seeing this very clearly for the first time. They could see when going with their family or at work or just in their own daily life, 
that the way they were relating to people, they chose out of all of these situations what confirmed what they needed, their identity, what, how they needed to think of themselves in the world. And it, it doesn't even mean that how they think about themselves is good. It actually could be not so good. But it doesn't matter to your selfing mind, the conditioned mind. It doesn't matter if what it is, how you uh, see the world makes you a happy person or a sad person. It doesn't care at all. Just as long as it makes you into a person. (laughs) That keeps going. That wants to continue. That wants to continue. That person that we made up when we were kids wants to keep going. Because, as I keep saying, it helped you in the beginning. But then after we leave the beginning, it becomes bondage rather than freedom because it doesn't allow us to meet the next situation as it is, free. We meet the next situation dragging this conditioned mind with us, and that's how we read it. So there are ways, two ways we can say. In a way, we can say that when we, as we become free, little by little, we move from seeing the world, from perceiving, from actually perceiving the world through our conditioned mind, which is to say we've grabbed onto certain ideas, just certain ideas, all the way from you know, difficulty to awakening, just ideas, past ideas of how the world is. We've grabbed onto ideas and we see the world through the conditioned mind. And when we do that, usually almost always, it doesn't feel good because the conditioned mind is a contracted mind. It's a mind of separation. And it has consequences physically. It conditions the physical, our physicality becomes tight. So perceiving through the conditioned mind is separation. It's the definition of separation. Me and the, my world. So we move slowly as we begin to see the conditioning very clearly and have the courage to not grab onto it, to not reify it, to not give it substance, to not believe that it's the truth, to not grab onto it, we slowly open the hand of thought, as Uchiyama Roshi says. We slowly open our hand, open, the mind, open, open our hand, not grabbing onto thought in any way. And as we begin to do that, we see the world more clearly from the place of awareness, the unconditioned mind awareness.
So, obviously, I think, we can see that sitting zazen is necessary. Long periods of sitting, which is what you've committed yourself to these days. And we try to set it up so that we create a container so that uh, as much as possible we don't let you slip out the back door. And unfortunately, we don't have a residential retreat uh, situation enough, although we have done one already, so that was pretty cool. But our um, retreat in the city is not residential, and so you go home at night. So I hope that when you go home, you understand that that is also part of the container, and that you don't let yourself leak. You don't let the pressure leak away. So if you live alone, that's really good, because you can continue the silence. Don't look at TV. Don't look at the computer. You know, don't answer email unless you have to, you know what I mean? Don't drink. Don't muddy the mind. Value clarity of mind here and at home. Keep paying attention. Keep making sure that you're developing continuity of mindfulness so that you don't let the container crack. You keep the pressure so that you can see the mind of resistance, the mind of judgment, the defending mind, the mind that wants or seeks, the mind that wants to keep going, the mind that isn't enough. So that you can see the little, the little me self that's trying to help you. we don't need anymore. Or the seeker, the seeking mind, that was me. That was my mind, the seeker mind. If I just, I'll do one more session, then I'll get it. That was me. So this mind of uh, fundamental mind, our true nature that we are, like I said before, is not, is not waving flags for you to see. It's not anything. It's a mystery. And so we have to kind of be uh, sensitive. We have to sense. Just sense it. Oh, there's knowing there. That's all. It's quiet. It's there all the time. You just have to 
just feel it, just sense it, just, just listen for it. Just take the backward step. Instead of always out there, out there, out there, out there, out there, 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 there. No. Here. Here. Now. Not past. Not future. This is Dogen's when he talks about you're doing the Fukunza Zengi every day. You can there's a line in it. Think not thinking. What is think not thinking? Non-thinking. This is not suppressing thought. This is not grabbing onto drama. This is noticing that there's just knowing happening that we're just awake. And this is, you know, it's kind of, kind of, it's sort of funny, you know. This is Zen. They say we practice Zen like a fool, like an idiot. And they're right. It's very simple. Very, very, so simple we can't believe it. We feel like we have to do something. If we don't do something, we'll never get there. I'll never be fixed. I'll never be better. I'll never get it. I have to do something. There must be something I have to do. Tell me what to do. How do you do this? when we already have everything we need. So again in Zazen, the body will help you. The Suzuki Roshi said, everything we need to know is in the body. All the teachings are apparent in the body. The body is present always. The body is awake. The body changes. It's dependently co-risen. There's no self there you can find. Let the body teach you. The body (coughs) is a treasure. So take care of it well. 
So when you sit, please um, be kind to yourself, you know? Know where you're at and what you need to work on. And I say that because in the beginning, the only thing we need to do is just aim, learn how to aim and sustain the mind. Just work on having the mind be present. Without the mind being present, there's nothing to do. What I mean by that is there's no seeing that can happen. And then once the mind is stable and present, then you can see then insight can happen. You can see. You can see the conditioned mind doing its work. You can see when you grab on to thought, basically. You can see resistance to things as they've come to be. You can see. And as you let go of that grasping, you can remember, even in the midst of grasping, there's awakeness. There's awakeness. All the duality is thought. So the nearest we come being the mind that doesn't move in relation to objects is not knowing. Because it's a mystery. This awakeness that we are. So here's a... um, very famous story from the Book of Serenity, which is our koan book of Soto Zen. It's number 20. Dijon asked Fayan, where are you going? Fayan said, around on pilgrimage. Dijon said, what's the purpose of pilgrimage? Fayan said, I don't know. Dijon said, 
not knowing is nearest. You can maybe remember, you know, it might ring some bells for you when we talked about bodhidharma. You know, is this not knowing it nearest the same as bodhidharma's response to Emperor Wu? Who are you? Emperor Wu asked. And Bodhidharma said, I don't know. It's in that openness that we live. More and more and more open. Open the mind. Open the heart. Open the body. To the flow of life as it has come to be. This is our path. It's our life. It's our joy. So please, during this five-day retreat, make your best effort. As Dogen says, effort without desire, effort without clinging, effort just to be. And we're going to be doing this together. So like Ian said in the admonitions, Everybody's effort supports everybody. It's really important. It's why it's easier to sit a retreat with everybody else than it is to do it alone at home. So please, everybody, know that what you're doing is not just for yourself. It's for everybody in the room. We do this together because it's one life that we're living together. And during retreat, it's really clear that that's the case. So, thank you very much for doing this. I really, I believe that the effort that we make radiates out into the world. And the world needs this kind of sanity. The world needs silence. And the world needs healing. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.